All right, everybody, welcome back in. Bleeding Claire and Cobalt, Trey Fitzgerald, Ryan Hill. Today's guest, Rob Zarcos, EVP, Executive Vice President, Soccer Operations for Real Salt Lake. A lot of news coming out since the ownership transfer. Obviously, Albert Rusnak is gone to Seattle. Uh, RSL shaking the trees, trying to figure out who they are going to get in from both a free agency, maybe even a DP standpoint. Um, here in this winter window, a lot of homegrown signings uh, for the future. 39 players going to uh, camp, which begins, or sorry, began in Harriman this week. They're off to Tucson uh, this week and off to Portland later in February uh, for some high-level tournament games against MLS-level competition. But um, Ryan, obviously a very truncated offseason. We get into that a little bit uh, with Zarcos. A lot of things happening kind of in the academy level and the monarchs level of the pyramid that that we talk about kind of philosophically with Zarcos as well. But I think the main thing is that Rob, Elliot, Tony, Kurt Schmid, Luke Mulholland, et cetera, Pablo Mastroeni, of course, all trying to figure out how to navigate the new world, which includes six David Blitzer teams over in Europe, including Crystal Palace, Augsburg, Estoril in Portugal, Alcarcon in Spain, Audio Den Haag in the Netherlands, and Wasland over in Belgium. So um, obviously it's only been, I think, 10, 12 days since the ownership announcement, but uh, opportunity abounds both coming and going uh, for RSL players with those six teams. Yeah, I always say when when Zarcos or Elliot comes on that this is like the you know the indication like this front office tries to be transparent. And I think yeah. that this um you do get right away Zarcos telling us the things he can't tell us. Yeah. Um but there is a lot of things moving and you know we're we're sitting in, you know, the building in Harriman right now. So there's a lot of things going on. It's it's a beehive of activity for sure. <laughs> um it's giving me vibes, Trey. It's giving me vibes of the um the Royals rollout. Okay. You know, which is interesting because this isn't a new team rollout, yeah. but there's a lot of different things in the works. And I remember what was the, it's a hundred days from like announcement to like games. Or yeah, to I think that's about for, right. Like, it, was, it was just under four months. And then we're like in this, uh, we're in this really, like you're talking about the the shortened off season, yeah. which is, I think, you know, maybe not all of us have dates circled on our calendars when things in yeah. MLS happen, you know, for the, for that preseason. But yeah, this is like, we're like a month earlier than usual. And yeah. this is coming off of a, a playoff run that was later than usual. Yep. And then, um, but there's a whole lot. And then then integrating a brand new ownership group, which is definitely going to be, there's going to be some major changes in this club yeah. top to bottom. But I do feel like, you know, talking about what's going on here and talking to Rob, it's like, there is like real direction and excitement for the things that are happening and are in the works, you know? So I think that's yeah. good to know. It's funny, you you bring up 100 days from the Royals. Pablo Mastroeni was only the head coach of this team for the final 100 days of 2021, which ended with a December 4th loss in Portland. Um, you had a December 10th, I think, hiring of uh, of Pablo as the permanent head coach. You had a January 6th announcement of Ryan Smith and David Blitzer as the new owners of Real Salt Lake. And here we are uh, just a couple weeks after that. Uh, the team has come in, they've done physicals, they've done some fitness testing. Uh, They're getting right, photos taken today right now. Yeah, tomorrow. Uh, it's an off day today for the locker room. Uh, you do have to do all your media day stuff, and they're doing it in stages before 
the team goes to Tucson because COVID. Like Omicron is everywhere. Uh, we've had plenty of guys pop positive. The idea is is give them the that isolation opportunity so that they can get on the plane to Tucson on on uh, Monday morning, the twenty fourth. So um, at the same time, Rob Elliot, these guys are working both domestically and internationally, trying to figure out okay, who are the DPs? Who? How do we replace Albert? What other positions of need? I think they've talked about defensive midfield. They've talked about uh, left back. Um, obviously, you're always looking for depth at the 10, depth at the 9, uh, depth all over the field. And and it's going to be interesting, I think, also to see uh, which young guys kind of seize the opportunity of preseason. Like Chris Garcia had a great preseason a year ago, spent time with the Monarchs, went on loan to Sweden, had his uh, – Swedish loan kind of uh, cut short because of a knee injury. Uh, I think everybody's anxious to see what he brings now with another year. He's still only 18. Um, you've got plenty of other like kind of teenagers that have come through the academy. Monarchs, you've got nine guys that have signed in the last couple of years that probably aren't going to contribute to the first team this year. But who knows? They might get an opportunity like Andrew Brody did uh, at some point last year. So for Pablo, his new assistant coach, Matt Jacobs, his returning staff in uh, Matt Taylor and um, uh, Nacho Hernandez. Like, it's just, it's an exciting time to get going again, but they are kind of building the plane on the fly, as you mentioned, because of the truncated offseason. Um, and obviously, going from Western Conference final, coaching appointment, ownership change at the same time as pursuing both domestic and international free agents. And Look, there's going to be waivers from MLS clubs. There's going to be guys whose negotiations fall apart. Um, and then there's going to be targets from all over the world that we're going to say, try to get them in now. If we can't get them in now, maybe get them in in the summer window. And then uh, as we talk about a little bit with Rob, the schedule is going to be an interesting factor with that summer window because the season ends about a month earlier than normal because of the World Cup in Qatar at the end of 2022. And as Rob reminds us any DP or U22 or high-level signing uh, or even a loan option is going to be something that we look for uh, as a long-term play um, because the track record of summer transfers contributing in that in that second half of an MLS season, while it is advantageous from a cap standpoint because it's pro rata uh, from a salary, it, it you know those guys usually need to kind of come in, get assimilated, come back for the second year, and then go. And uh, anyway, as you mentioned, exciting times, beehive of activity. And uh, without any further ado, here is RSL EVP Rob Zarkos talking about a lot of things at all three main levels of the pyramid, as well as the connective tissue that gets the academy to the Monarchs uh, to RSL's first team as, as the club certainly looks to improve upon its final four finish in 2021 here he is rob zarkos on bleeding claret and cobalt brought to you by one wire hey guys uh ryan and i love bringing you this content uh multiple times per week or per month and we couldn't do it without adam sessions at one wire and we really want you to experience the level of customer service that Adam and all of his 
colleagues at OneWire provide their clients, their uh, business partners, their constituents. So um, if you're not a business owner, tell your boss to uh, uh, upgrade their voice and their business communications by going over to OneWire.co and check out all the services uh, that OneWire has to offer. Adam's a big soccer fan. We've converted the whole office into uh, supporters of RSL. And um, we just ask that you, if you have any opportunity whatsoever uh, in your business, your family's business, um, or your, you know, in your circle of, of influence to uh, refer one wire because uh, there is no doubt in my mind that they'll be able to handle all of your uh, voice communications and uh, other business uh, tech needs. So go over again to the number one wire.co and you can see the uh, depth and breadth of options available. So that's it for our proud partner, one wire. Bleeding, Claret and Cobalt. Rob Zarcos, Executive Vice President of Soccer Operations for the ever-growing, ever-expanding Real Salt Lake organization. Rob, thanks for hanging out with us today. Hello, Trey. Is my enthusiasm not being met with equal amounts of enthusiasm? Of course, today? I'm I'm fired up. So here we are, uh, mid-January, just kicking off preseason. A lot of moving pieces. I know you can't tell us what's going on, but I do want to get a little bit into the process because I look at this potential preseason roster, 30-something players, a bunch of academy kids, a bunch of guys with Monarchs experience. We got non-roster invitees from college, from USL, from overseas, uh, MLS veterans. And then I know you and Elliot and Tony, Kurt Schmidt, of course, you guys are out shaking the trees, looking at MLS free agency, international free agency here in the winter window. And oh yeah, we've got new owners that have six European soccer teams as well. So I guess just from a 30,000 foot view for uh, everybody that, that bleeds Claret and Cobol, all the RSL fans out there, how's it going? Uh, look, it's been nuts. So last year we had a late season due to COVID. Yep. This year we have an early season due, due to the World, World Cup, Cup, right? So usually where we have, you know, eight, nine weeks off to really get everything going, December is usually our busiest month. Um, we've had it really shortened, and that was further shortened with ownership closing on the 5th. So we're Not to mention a playoff run. Yeah, no. And coaching. 100%. So it's been, <laughs> yeah. it's been super busy, and meanwhile – we're trying to solidify the roster, right? And and so, you know, I wouldn't, if, if I was looking at it, I wouldn't lose hope in the fact that there's not been a lot of exciting stuff. I, I just think we're going to be a little late on that or what would have been normal timing. Yeah. Uh, so it's been great. I mean, ownership group's fantastic. We've been able to reach out to some of the uh, sister clubs in the, in the ecosystem and then uh, just the general scouting and, and, deal moves that we're trying to get done right now. I'm I'm pretty pumped. I think there's a lot of stuff on the horizon that's going to be super exciting. Do you prefer that we refer to that group as sisters or cousins? Uh, I've used both on Twitter and other otherwise. I don't care. I think I think the ecology is fine. I mean, I think it just depends on where you're from. 
<laughs> well played. No, I, I, you know, we're because we're funny all joke. Like Ryan Smith's guy doesn't love me using the word pyramid to describe our setup out here because mm. it has MLM connotations yeah. for longtime Utahns. Where elsewhere in the world, pyramid is how people often refer to your first team, second team, academy, developmental setup. Yeah, I think ecosystem's fine too because there's there's various levels of management or ownership and. You know, it's it's interesting and it's all getting pulled together. I I use that, but I don't know if that's the right term. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, no, it's all fun stuff, right? It's exciting to kind of go down all these roads and see what's happening. Um, amidst the chaos, you know, what are a couple of the things that that you're seeing that has you really excited for 2022? I think with you know, look, we're still deep in COVID and it keeps kind of yeah. flaring up and, and going down, but really um, the build out of the alignment right now is, is really one of my biggest focuses. And I, you know, I talked about it at the last, last town hall. I just got off a call with our affiliate director and really planning uh, good jamborees here mm. uh, twice a year in January and in the summer to have all the kids down to 11 and 12 from all of our affiliates coming in. So we're really tracking them, working with them, having the affiliate coaches and coaches directors coming in to really build that family feel. So, so they know that we're taking care of them as they're taking care of us. Yeah. Uh, deeper into the local community on on that, starting to really track and test kids at, at a younger age, start really building out and going back to our European tournament model that we do in the summer with okay. with the younger ages plus the academy ages, um, really just having that pathway. And, and you know, I, I saw some of the comments, but, you know, about the kids we've signed, well, that's the future of RSL. That, yeah. You know, sh people shouldn't expect that and Axel, Kai, or Jude are going to start this year, yeah. but they should plan on them getting a lot of Monarchs games, and you're going to see them in the next couple of years. So, you know, sometimes for a sports fan, it's year to year, but for us, we're really looking out three, four, five years of, of what's going to build out. And I think we have a class right now that's very similar to Justin Jordan Allen, uh, Aaron's. We have four or five very, very good prospects. And look, we had three kids called up to the U.S. national team for the 15s, yep. three for the 17s, you know. We're getting back to where we need to get on recruiting, development, building. And, you know, we went to the the showcase a few months ago. Mm -hmm. We dominated three and zero. So, you know, it's not about just winning at that that age. I think that's important to teach people how to win. But it's the development and how these kids are progressing. And you know, Jude and Axel both played Monarchs uh, Monarchs game last year, and I yep. think you'll see more of that and just continue to get that development and figure out how to be a pro. Well, it's funny because I try to when talking about these guys, which. Look, we've signed a lot of homegrowns the last couple of years. Obviously, MLS rules have changed to the point where the league, I think, understands from a roster construction standpoint, there need to be maybe not unlimited, but just more slots for these guys so that we don't have the Sebastian Soto, Richie Ledesma, Booth brothers departures. Although some kids are always going to choose that path, right? Um, I think that's a big educational component because, as you mentioned, like people look at these signings like, well, that guy's not going to help us this year, but it is about securing, you know, the pipeline, securing the future. Um, can you explain a little bit more about how the affiliates work? I know they, they wear our badge and they're called RSL Arizona or RSL, whatever, but we also have like sister clubs in certain communities. Are the territorial things kind of falling apart in MLS or is it just evolution? Well, I'm going to answer that first. I'm going to, I'm going to say one of the other reasons that you're seeing kids get signed younger is the Ledesma Soto situation. Yeah. You know, we're seeing that the prime age right now globally is 18 to 22. 
you can't wait till 17, almost 18 to, to sign these kids. But second, with the, the ecosystem we have, we no longer really have to worry about that. Oh, we'll take you to Europe from the agents. Yeah. We can send kids to Europe. Yep. We have enough clubs there and, and working. And, and as we continue to work with those people, I know that, that Kurt and Elliot are, are going out with a representative to start touring those and build the relationships. We have pathways. You know, um, there's, there's a kid we're about to send, send out to the Czech Republic. I can't say his name right now, but the monarchs are important. There's another level we can even send out, and those kids can come back ready to play, yeah. right? So, you know, it doesn't mean we're not investing everywhere else, but with what we have built here in the infrastructure, why wouldn't we do that pathway? Yeah. It makes sense. And, and again, you've seen, I've said this before, you've, you see a couple teams, about four or five following this model, but it's the way to go. This is what everybody in the sure. world does. Why, why shouldn't we do that? So I'm excited with the kids because we have so many pathways for development now yep. uh, that, that we're going to produce better players. So then your question, next question about the affiliates. So the way it works is, um, I don't know if your listeners know, is there's territories within the MLS and it's not standard, you know, so the LAs I think have 75 miles as the crow flies around their, from their stadium where, and it's mostly done by, by population and, and MSAs. We, uh, we have both Arizona and Utah, but in order to keep that that uh, territory, we have to have representation there, which is Mike Krause is our technical yep. director, rolls out our curriculum. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we have to have a strong affiliate model, which is RSL Arizona. Uh, we had a presence there historically because we had Casa Grande. That's, right. That was our academy. Sure. So, it was, so it was easy. But when we moved it up here, we had to kind of build that out. And now we've part, we partnered with a club called Serena, which is now RSL Arizona. Yep. And, Phoenix based, yeah, yeah, Phoenix based, but they they have clubs now all, all around, over. all over Arizona. I think they're the largest uh, youth soccer club okay. in, in Arizona. There and Brent Irwin's the managing director, yep. uh, fantastic guy, super sharp. And what we've also done with Brent is find other markets where players come from that we can partner. So that's been El Paso, which is not anybody's territory. Oh, okay. It's been Vegas and it's been San Diego, and we kind of took over a, a club there, a uh, city. That uh, we had been partnered with Galaxy, but Galaxy was pulling out. So we went in there and said, hey, let's do it. Okay. Our model is a little bit different. Like some clubs like Chicago and LA, they charge their affiliates yep. for their, their badging. We don't do that. But what we do is we provide services for them that then drive players in, right? So we do coaching training. We do these jamborees where they come in and they get to play in our facilities. Um, and it's, it's really built a good ecosystem where they feel part of the club, right? In, in, yeah. And that's what we want. It's not we're taking something from you. It's, it's creating aspirations. It's create, yeah, and it's a win-win for everybody, right? And it helps them recruiting. They get better coaching. They get to come here and, and train here and play here. And they're happy to send their place because they know the environment in, in there. And so it's been a really positive partnership. I think at this point, we're at about 23,000 kids within wow. this affiliate network. Um, you know, in, in our classes are about 22 kids. So, so out of those, you know, we're really picking the top kids who've come in for years to train with us in these jamborees. And then we can look outside in the other territories that, that aren't under uh, MLS territory rules. How would you describe the club's relationship, specifically maybe Arnold Reisenberg's relationship with the local Utah youth soccer community? I think that that was one thing that, that when we moved out here, that wasn't that strong. You know, we'd we'd had some some players from a couple lower clubs or local clubs, not lower clubs, local clubs here. But I think Arnold coming in has really cemented that. Also, Taylor Pay, yeah, you know, because he's been out there, he played here locally, he was a pro, and I think it's very very strong. One, the one thing we're trying to grow out now is not just 
the valley, it's okay, how do we get to St. George? How do we get, you know, up to these places that aren't quite in the valley, but still can produce some good kids and inviting them in for coaching trainings and sending people out to watch their trainings as well? Um, let's backtrack a little bit. Obviously, December 4th, we lose in Portland. Uh, December 10th, I think it was, we announced Pablo as our permanent head coach. Uh, he's now added Brett Jacobs to his staff. He brings back Mac Taylor and uh, Nacho. Um, a lot of returning core from that from that club, um, that run, that team. How would you describe kind of where Pablo's at in terms of his culture building? Because he was really only our head coach last year for a hundred days. Yeah, but I, I think you saw immediately that the players bought into that and understood. And and I think you know all I can say is I've seen the first two days of preseason. Yeah. And I haven't seen the vibe like that ever. I mean, you know, even on the fitness, when you have two a days, the fitness period on the second training, music's going, guys are running, guys yeah. are performing. Um, but the veterans have come in super sharp. We've got a lot of kids there, which can cause some frustrations mm -hmm. as they're getting used to the, the pros. They'll make a mistake. Yeah. I talked to Pablo about these. He's like, the great thing is the kids make a mistake once and they're learning from it. The pros are super supportive. We're getting okay. there. And just the energy level has been great. And the speed of play it's, is maintained. Yeah, yeah. It's looking, looking pretty good. Now, as I've said, we're trying to bring a couple bigger pieces in right yeah. now that we're going to try to get done. It may be just with the timing that we get maybe one or two done this window. And then we, we get the other, other piece or pieces in the summer. We're looking at that. Yeah. We're trying to build rationally you know we've talked to ownership how they want to do it they want to invest but we have to do it right and we and the sure. timing just made you know fans may be like well i wanted it all now well literally we've had three and a half weeks so <laughs> let's look at the let's yeah. look at the second window but we are looking to build out in the areas we need how does the summer window jive with uh our schedule like because obviously the schedule is a little compacted because of the world cup it was compacted differently last year because of covid um, you still expect that summer window to be kind of the prime window? It's tough, right? So our prime window is winter, which is not the prime window Around for Europe world, yeah. or most places in the world, right? So the goal is always to try to get someone in the winter window so they can be, be at preseason, get used to the guys, you know, build the relationships. Summer, as you've seen, you know, in, in sometimes it can take the rest of the year for a player to get up to sure. speed, right? But but anybody that we'd bring into that window would be a long-term play. You're not yep. bringing someone in for six months, no. right? And you realize that your hope is they get up to speed in two, three, four weeks. Mm -hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is it could take a little bit, you know, and there's players around the league that are DPs that you've seen that happen. And it's yeah. that, that second year they've kind of blown up, but it's really working with Pablo and the ownership to build long-term and build on the success we had last year on the run and just get better in certain positions. Right. Yep. Um, Monarchs, MLS next pro. I know a lot of the facts are, are still coming together. It's obviously been, uh, kind of a whirlwind, but do you have an estimation yet on kind of where this MLS Next Pro level of play or kind of objective in terms of our young professional development uh, stands compared to USL Championship? Yeah, look, we're supposed to get further information next week from the league. It's going to be a shortened season next year just for first year. I think we'll have 12 home games, 24 total games. We're still trying to figure out uh, travel. Do they travel with the first team on yeah. the jet? Do they travel yeah. set separately? But model and what we're trying to do, I think, has been fairly set. Um, I think the level is actually going to be very good. Um, you know, I watched very closely the Red Bull game we played last year. I watched the Vegas game, which is basically LAFC's yeah, sure. youth and affiliate. Yeah. And the level was actually pretty good. The, the benefit you're going to get also there is 
You know, USL was great because you had a lot of guys that were 28 to 30. A lot of guys played in League yeah. One, Championship in England, or, 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 you know, equivalents. And, you know, these kids are playing against men and getting banged around. They're learning the physicality. Technicality actually wasn't always there in the USL, you know, in, sure. in, in what it looked like. But playing, you know, when we played Red Bull and we played uh, Vegas, the quality was actually pretty good. Um, but the key to doing that in our estimation is to have four or five senior roster players. And I'm not talking from the first team, I'm older professionals that can help build the professional culture Got within it. the club and then get the kids minutes. So, you know, we stacked that team in 19 to win a championship. Yep. Ownership was like, we need to win a championship. We stacked it. We brought six guys down from the first team. And that, that's, the quality was good enough there to, to run. And that's great. But this has to be a development team first and foremost. And of course we want to win. But the way we're going to do it is we're going to stick a couple draft picks on their older guys. And you'll notice we drafted some older guys yeah, on sure. purpose yep. uh, because of their, their professional or either their experience, their age or professional background, if they had it. We're going to have a lot of the homegrowns you saw signed to the first team, play most of those games. Yep. And then we'll, we'll add in two or three academy kids who have earned the right to play. But the regulars will be that core group. And what it'll allow is the kids to grow, not just on the field, that's important, but there's a whole lot of things that come to being a professional athlete, sure. right? And they're going to help them with that. But the quality of the game should be fun. I mean, it's going to be MLS teams, you're playing the, the next, uh, the kids are going to be next in their systems on a regular basis, right? But it, it's not going to just be a 16-year-old league. You might have one player that's that age, you're going to have the 18, 19-year-olds, and then you'll have the 20 to 25-year-olds that are there to be consistent on the field and, and show these kids how to be a pro. A couple more questions. I know we just got a few minutes, but one of the things that struck me kind of putting together the preseason roster and the storylines to watch is guys like yourself, Elliot, Tony Beltran, Hamison Alave, Taylor Pay, um, Jordan Allen, of course, that have come back into this club or are in a different position now than they were when they started whenever that was with our John Kimball's another person, myself kind of coming back, whatever. Um, what do you think that means that so many kind of ex-players, Luke Maholland as well, uh, have different positions now in the front office or or on the business side, people have kind of moved around, but um, still all kind of working together to achieve the same end goals. Yeah, look, I, I was so excited when John came back because he understands what we need to be. And I, I think one of the things we've lost is really that attachment to the community. And I think that that a lot of the people that you're talking about who come back or, or are now in new positions, they remember that. They know what, yeah. what that can be, they know the feel of what it can be. And I think that's great because everybody's kind of pulling the, the oars the same way now. I think, though, for the technical side, it's very important. I, you know, I went to Wolfsburg tour a couple of years ago, and the thing that was interesting to me is uh, a bit of a smaller city than we are, but, but kind of Salt Lake-esque. Okay. You know, the, the difference is their big industry is Volkswagen. Yeah. But as I started touring around with, with the, uh, the people that work there, the average length of someone working that club is six to 10 years. Wow. So they stay there, right? Because they love the club and they understand it. And there's a, a feel and what they want. They're deep in the community. And I think that everybody coming back loves the club and they want to be here. Sure. You know, whether it's Taylor who played, whether, yep. where, whether it's Luke who played, even Alave. But the great thing is in a development environment, a lot of those guys, you know, Lav was what defender, defender of the year. Yeah. I mean, and Luke, look, you know what I'm saying? They know what it takes, yep. right? So, the, what they can 
impart to the younger players or even big DPs coming in the ex expectation of what they what we are and who we want to be. It's important to have those people all all around. You know, Elliot's been here. You can't get rid of the guy. He's been yeah, here for fourteen like years. Fourteen years, right? Um, but he gets it, and he. Yeah. And the other other thing you have to realize is everybody comes to watch the soccer, but we don't sit on an island. We're integrated with every single piece of the organization, and you have to understand that and buy into that, sure. right? And sometimes technical departments don't do that. <laughs> I, I think you know with Elliot's experience, that's super important. Um, you know, on the with Luke, it's really how do you? He's played it the Monarchs and the first team, how does that alignment work? It's everybody coming in to, to all be organized into one collective. And, and then on top of that with the development is, again, it's teaching these kids to be a pro. And Tony Beltran, consummate pro. Yeah. He knows what it takes. Of course. You know, so just having that environment where everybody's, you know, excited and wants to go in the same direction is fantastic. Um, John Spencer was recently announced as a... a director of recruitment mm -hmm. uh, for the club. I think it's primarily an academy position, but certainly it's going to have knock-on effects to the Monarchs and to the first team over time. Uh, great experience as a player, coach, and an agent in, in uh, American soccer over the last 20 years. What, what, uh, what attracted you to him? How did he get on uh, the club's radar? We were looking at the recruiting side of the academy. And look, we're always trying to go where the ball is, not where it is now, right? And where it's going to be. Yeah, right, that's what I meant. You know, what I'm trying to say it, it's, I do. It's the uh, Gretzky go where the puck. Is. <laughs> um, but the interesting thing is, I honestly believe, and it's been going on for ten years. There's going to be a point where full homegrown territories go away. With our facility, we should be the number one destination for any kid in the U.S. who wants to play professional yep. soccer. John has fantastic relationships with coaches everywhere with, uh, you know, once the kids are in our system with parents, because he's been an agent, his, his recruitment level is out of this world, but he also knows levels, right? Because he brought kids to Europe, uh, Horvath, he took over to, to Europe. Um, so, uh, Yedlin, he brought him yep. to Europe. So, so the fact is, is that's not the end goal, but that just happens to be the market right now. So how are we identifying these kids at a young age to bring them in? And then he can watch them as they're developing. And then we can all have a conversation of, on development profiles for each of these kids. Hey, okay, is this kid ready for the Monarchs? He's done the Monarchs. First team doesn't have the spot. Is this somebody we send somewhere to go train? Okay, he has the relationships there to get him out. So not only do we trust him, the families trust him, but the clubs, when he recommends them, they trust him because they know, yeah. they know that if he's recommending a player, they're ready to go. And sometimes that's the biggest uh, barrier to entry. So, uh, and he's just an overall great guy, yeah. right? So he fits in well. He's really managing the scouts that we have now nationally, stipended scouts to watch all these games around the U.S. And he's got the networks. So and he and he just uh, he just busts his ass. He's a great guy. So we've got all these great guys. How does Elliot stick around? Um, you know, it's kind of a, a thing where if you feel bad for somebody, you really want them to do well, and everybody pitches in to kind of lift them up. So that's what we're doing right now. Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, what's on your What's on your playlist right now? Prison Mike. Psycho Mike, what's the what's the guy you showed me? On Killer YouTube? Mike, Killer man. Mike. Sorry, I from, had an office on the brain. Come on, man from <laughs> from uh, Run the Jewels. Run the Jewels, nice. I you haven't it. listened to Run the Jewels? I mean, not in a long time. Well, I mean, they have three albums out. You might want to spend some time <laughs> digging into their repertoire. I've been listening to that. I I got a new for Christmas. One of my best friends got me a print from a local artist in Seattle, and he does these cartoonish kind of. Uh, pictures of rappers and so he got me ice cube so i'm gonna hang that in my office today while listening to ice cube probably the predator 
maybe America KKK is most wanted. Ooh. I don't know. It's uh, it's kind of loose right now. Uh, so I've been listening to a lot of Cube. I always have Ice T on on the playlist because I love him so much. And uh, that's about it. Colors. Uh, no, I prefer OG is my favorite album by him, okay. which has Nino's theme. Yeah, uh, and that's I, from uh, New Jack City. Yes, yes, yes. Big fan, big fan. I need to get in contact with your artist friend, and uh, I think I'm going to need a Chuck D print. Oh, I love Chuck D too. I, I love him. Powerful, powerful powerhouse. Um, at some point, we will do a music only podcast. A okay, little, a little less soccer, but um, really appreciate the update. Last thing, what is your what is your message to kind of RSL fans as we look forward to 2022? Because um, we've sold a ton of new season tickets. Uh, the new owners have talked openly about improving the fan experience in the stadium. Obviously, everything we want to do isn't going to be done by March 5th. <laughs> but um, I just think it's an exciting time. And obviously, both David Blitzer and Ryan Smith have, have emphasized how important uh, community is, as you have, as it always has been in this club. Uh, so I, I'm just so excited on a million levels for this year, but kind of what, how would you encapsulate and describe uh, your feelings for this year uh, to our fans? I'd say be excited. You know, uh, as I, I like to <laughs> tell everybody, we're at the end of the beginning, yeah. right? It's just yeah. starting. Um, but every conversation I've had, they're excited about the club. Community and fan experience is the biggest thing, which I think is exactly what it should be. And our job is to provide a good provide a good product on the field to do that. Um, but let's take a deep breath. It's been three <laughs> weeks. Like, let's uh, give us a little bit of time to, to get where we need to be. However, we are looking to uh, improve upon performance last year. That is the goal. So it's not like, hey, we're going to take a step back to get, get uh, reorganized. No. Um, but there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we're, we're building out, and the guys are busting their tails to get some incredible news out to the Fan base. At what point, 23, 24, does Crystal Palace become a feeder club for Real Salt Lake? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd prefer Augsburg over. Oh, I, okay. I love Palace, but I love the Bundesliga and the way they play. You know who I'm excited to keep track of now is Estoril down in Portugal. I've, I have Portuguese family through my cousin in Houston. and They're all really excited that we're kind of connected. That's awesome. I'm most excited personally about Otto in their divise because that's my favorite. Yeah, Den Hog. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, big development culture there. I know yeah. Dunny talks about them a lot um, on his Sirius XM show. So. Yeah, look, and they're trying to to get in a promotion uh, a promotion spot this year, so we'll see. But yeah, that's my favorite league. I love the Netflix. So when, when I heard that, I was super excited. Awesome, Rob. Thanks for the update, and uh, we'll catch up with you again in uh, midseason. All right, Trey. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right, everybody, thanks for tuning in, listening, subscribing, sharing. Uh, please do try to pass this around to your friends. Tell them that maybe this version, this edition, had something you needed to know uh, to be a better RSL fan, which we all aspire to every single day. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt brought to you by One Wire Fiber. Obviously, you can find us on social at Claret Cobalt on Twitter, at Claret Cobalt on Instagram or anchor.fm slash Claret and Cobalt. Just hit that message button and let us know what you think. 2022 shaping up to be a big year 
uh, in uh, not just Utah soccer, but uh, Utah RSL, Monarchs Academy, all of MLS. MLS Next Pro kicks off soon. And then obviously we got a World Cup to, to worry about later in the year. So a lot to worry about, a lot to talk about, a lot to have fun with. So we appreciate you tuning in, listening, again, sharing, subscribing, and help spreading the gospel for everything Real Salt Lake right here. Bleeding Claret Cobalt brought to you by One Wire.